the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Gorgeous day, huh? Clear skies ahead tonight. Oh, 57. Tomorrow, not bad. Mix of clouds and sun. High 83. Sunday looks to be a little cloudy. May get some rain in the picture in the afternoon or in the evening and a high of 86. Phillies start a series at the Atlanta Braves tonight. Big series for them now that the Braves have passed them in the standings. The Braves have been red hot. I think they won seven or so in a row. Phillies have kind of been up and down, but they'll take second place right now. Close to first place at this point in the season. Hopefully they can get at least a couple of wins this weekend and narrow the gap a bit. Also, of course, last night, the uh, Toronto Raptors winning the NBA championship over Golden State, 114-110. That's four games to two for them. Kawhi Leonard, uh, one of the uh, superstars, of course, the superstar really helped turn the team around. And one of the questions will be, what does he do next? Now that he's won a championship, he's a free agent. Does he stay or does he go? And that affects the Sixers, of course, because if he goes to a different team, Perhaps the path for the Sixers next year would be easier if he goes to a Western Conference team. So we'll see how that goes. And Golden State, man, uh, Clay Thompson, one of their best players, tore his ACL in the third quarter. Kevin Durant had an Achilles rupture back in Game 5. Both of those guys free agents. So will this be the end, another storyline uh, of the Golden State reign, being the championship round five times in a row? Or will they uh, manage to find a way to get back there next year? Either way, really has been an amazing run. I don't think that any of us really understand how complicated it is and how difficult it is to get to that level of excellence. It's fun to watch, even if you're not a fan of a particular team. It's, uh, you have to respect that uh, level of ability and dedication. We're looking forward to having a couple of special guests today on our fine broadcast. Uh, first off, Kim Goldman, sister of the late Ron Goldman, whose death 25 years ago this week. I uh, remember the whole... Uh, O.J. Simpson, White Bronco, the whole thing. Um, she'll be joining us on the program here in a little bit. She has a 10-episode podcast releasing over the next couple of months pertaining to Ron's passing and a lot of what has transpired since then. We also are looking forward to having Rose Simmons uh, join us. She is daughter of one of the nine African Americans who perished in the Emanuel AME attack in Charleston, South Carolina, four years ago. This coming Monday. She'll be sharing some of her story, and the documentary itself, Emmanuel, releases this coming Monday, as well as Wednesday the 19th, uh, in, in honor or in line with the fact that it was two days after the shootings that in court the families forgave the shooter. It was Dylan Roof was his name. EmmanuelMovie.com is the website to find out more about that, and that's just a one M and one N, E-M-A-N-U-E-L, Movie.com. Executive producers, speaking of the Golden State Warriors a moment ago, Steph Curry, also Academy Award-winning actress Viola Davis. Going to mix in some gift cards to Dunkin', Rita's, and Wawa as well, courtesy of Reiner Chevrolet. And our semi-world famous, I'm not sure if that's 
overstating things or not, but our Now That's Punny segment will be part of what we do today, too. Joe's even dressed up for the occasion with a brand new sweatshirt. So we'll uh, take a short break, and then we're going to come back with Tim Goldman and uh, continue on from there. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. Well, me and the Lord, we got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. The Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL. WFIL.com. Love that song from Toby Mac as it speaks to uh, any of us. We all have different challenges we're going through, different areas of our lives, maybe that have been touched by brokenness or things that are very difficult. And think of Psalm 147, verse 3 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Love that verse. Short and sweet and right to the point. Psalm 147, 3. Look that up for some encouragement. If you're going through something challenging or difficult, uh, we have a couple of guests this hour who have been through their share, uh, for sure. And our first guest this hour is Kim Goldman, whose brother uh, Ron passed away 25 years ago this week with the uh, O.J. Simpson and that whole that whole scene and everything. We just uh, thank you for taking time to be with us today. Hi, Kim. Tim. Thanks for taking time to uh, chat with us today. No problem. Yeah. Uh, first off, just a word to say I'm sorry for your loss. No one should have to go through what you guys have been through, and I can't understand a fraction of it. So. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your brother. What was he like? Um, my brother, uh, you know, my best friend, um, it seems so silly to say it like that, but he really just did encompass, um, what a, what a loyal, um, honest, fun, open, um, friend would be brother. Um, he was always looking out for me. Um, I never felt left behind. Um, you know, he was always making sure that I was safe and, and protected and, and, you know, that I was taken care of. And we grew up in a, in a difficult home, sometimes not, our mom left when we were young. Um, so it was just my dad and my brother and I. And so I think it forced us to be extra, extra protective of each other. And, and who he was really showed up in the last minutes of his life when he stayed to fight and lost his life over it. My wife and I were out for a walk a few nights ago and a neighbor who lost her husband to a heart attack a few years ago was outside. She has two daughters in their early twenties, mm-hmm. uh, tough time to lose a husband and a dad. They, they definitely miss him. And along with that, the mom said, you just have to continue on. Life does go on, although she hasn't moved any of his things. And your situation obviously very different in a number of ways, but how has life been for you and your family just as a, with a broad brush these past 25 years, and, and where do you find the strength to, to keep doing life after such a devastating you know, situation? Um, you know what? I, I find strength in different places. Um, I have a 15-year-old son that I'm pretty committed to, hmm. um, and um, my dad and my friends and my, my job and my heart. There are days where I, I don't want to face the day. And then there are days where I get up and I got a lot more spunk than I had the day before. I lean on my social, on my, my social network, my, my support system. I use therapy. I use journaling. And then other days I just, I just don't. And I let that be okay too. Um, the advocacy work that I get to do um, also gives me such great pride and purpose, knowing that there's other people out there that are living the same grief and loss and traumatic experience that we are. 
Yeah, chatting with Kim Goldman, sister of the late Ron Goldman, whose uh, death O.J. Simpson was acquitted of uh, 25 years ago. And uh, you have a 10-part series, this podcast that just debuted. Uh, tell us about that, kind of the where it came from in terms of how long it's been in the works and if it you know, was something you knew you wanted to do at one point or if it just kind of this is the latest way of, of getting the thoughts out in, in, in certain order. Yeah, I think that probably is a good characterization that it's really, um, I have been, you know, the last handful of years of my life been really searching to make sure that that our voice is heard, that my brother's voice is heard and remembered, and that the, the plight of the victims movement is at the forefront of all of our conversations. And, you know, there's been so much conversation around this case in the last handful of years that the new you know, group of people are are learning about it, a younger group of people. And I, I didn't want them to be relying on these fictionalized shows. There's a lot of people that were directly impacted by this case, and I wanted to be able to talk to them. And so we've gone back 25 years and talked to Marsha Clark, Chris Darden, a couple of the witnesses, a couple of the jurors, um, some experts, some friends of my brother's, and some witnesses, and, and really tried to just to share with the people what it was like to live in this O.J. Simpson fishbowl for so long. Yeah, you know, and uh, along those lines, I don't know, at the time, did you have any kind of opportunity to talk with those folks, Marsha Clark or Chris Darden, in the early years or or the, during the trial? Or is it something that's only like a relationship that got started a little later on during the path? You know, a, a little bit of both. Um, my conversations with them at the time were very focused on what was happening in court that day and what the we thought the outcome was going to be or what the strategy was. I was so trusting and so um, just in awe of what they were doing. And, you know, these conversations later are still very much in line with trying to understand what went on. And and I think we've all had some time and space that we can have a different conversation today than I would have been able to have 25 years ago. I still have a tremendous amount of respect for the LAPD and for Marsha and Chris and the prosecution office. I don't don't think that anything would have made a difference in that case, though. Yeah. Uh, You know, I've been working in radio for 30 years, and part of that I've covered a lot of athletes, actually. And I've seen firsthand how what a player or in the, and musicians too, or what an artist might say doesn't always really translate in the end for different reasons. Maybe a, a columnist has a certain story they're writing and they only use a piece of what was said. Yeah. Uh, and in the end, what people see on TV or read online can be relatively different or very different from what's actually true. Uh, could you share? I mean, nobody wants to be misunderstood, right? So right. are there parts of the whole narrative that you address in the podcast to – in a way, try to set the record straight to the extent that you can do that? Um, that was important to me. Um, and w- one person in particular is sticking out for me, um, which is uh, Jill Shively. She was a witness that didn't make it to the witness stand in the criminal case because um, Marsha had thoughts about her that she was, you know, a, a con artist or that, you know, she sold her story. Therefore, she was discredited. And she was a witness that saw the killer um, driving erratically uh, in a white Bronco away from the scene. Um, and I talked to Jill. Uh, I've never talked to her before, and she shares with me how much she's carried the guilt around that she let our family down. Um, I also wanted to set the record straight that that she didn't lie, that she's not a car artist, and that she made a mistake in telling her story, and she carries that with her. I, you know, I hope that that's reflective when people listen. Um, Cato Kalin, you know, he comes and sits down with me, and I, I hope that I show that he's just a, a guy, you know, who got caught up in this and, and was trying to do the best that he could. And, and his life was forever changed, both positive and negative for it. Yeah, I can only imagine it's 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 it has to be surreal. And yet it's it's real and life continues in 25 years later. And how do you, you know, live in that slight, very real, but slightly alternative reality? Because if people were talking about my life all the time, like, yeah. you know, popping up in the news when I'm not expecting it, and there's another thing. How, 
How do you handle that? I guess are you used to it as much as you can be that the story keeps popping up over time for different reasons? You know, yes and no. I think there's a there's a part of me that just still can't fathom how big this case got and how widespread it is and how much um, people still want to debate every component of it. I think I forget that because I'm just single mom trying to, you know, put food on the table. Um, and so when stuff comes up and I my feed, you know, starts to light up, my email starts to light up, I'm like, oh, shoot, what happened now? So it's hard. It's it's it takes me out of out of my life, and then I'm like, okay, I got this, hmm. you know. I and I manage it, and 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 like I said, I rely on my support system, and they've been amazing. Kim Goldman, sister of the late Ron Goldman, on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM five sixty WFIL WFIL dot com. Any final thoughts as we wrap up our chat together? I think that you know our our case is is our, our loss is not unique. You know, I mean, there's thousands of people that suffer trauma daily and the and the collateral damage is is enormous and so ours just happened to be on television and so i never want to take away from what other people are experiencing in other cases across the country that people are are not getting justice and they're you know walking out the same door that their you know perpetrator is as well so this is just a, a an insider's look at what went on inside our courtroom but it really you know paints a very big picture about the inequity in the system and, and how much more we have to do to make it right Lastly, just as far as the podcast itself, if folks wanted to you know, have a chance to do that, what's the best way to, to find it? Um, if you listen to podcasts, you can go to any podcast player, um, iTunes, Apple Pod, Apple Podcast, um, CastBox, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, any app. Um, just download it, subscribe, um, and, uh, and you, it's free to download. Um, and then follow us on all the social media, Confronting Pod, um, and follow along that way too. Okay. Thank you, Kim. God bless you. And uh, one day at a time. Thank you for taking Thank time you. with I us. I appreciate that too. Bye-bye. Kim Goldman, sister of the late Ron Goldman, uh, on our program, the podcast simply called Confronting Podcast. We're going to take a short break. We're going to bring in, in the middle of our conversation here, we have uh, another special guest. Her name is Rose Simmons. And uh, her father was one of those who was gunned down during the uh, shootings in Charleston, South Carolina at the uh, uh, Emanuel AME Church. Uh, but there's a movie with that coming up on Monday and Wednesday of next week. We'll talk more about that, but it's kind of sandwiched in between. We want to bring in Marcus Hayes. He is a writer for the uh, Philadelphia Daily News, and uh, he has some good insight into what has been happening with the hoops world, what the championship last night, a little bit of Sixers chat for a few minutes, and then we'll continue along with Rose. And also, we have some giveaways to do. So have our toll-free number ready because you're going to need it. 800-560-WFIL, 800-560-9345. Back in uh, just a couple of moments here, Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL WFIL.com. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560, WFIL? Email Timmy. D at WFIL.com. 424 on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. We had Kim Goldman joining us a little while ago, the brother of the late Ron Goldman, also Rose Simmons, daughter of uh, one of those who had been uh, one of the deceased from the 2015 church shooting at Emmanuel, African-American, uh, I'm sorry, African-American, sorry, Amer- American, it's a, lot of, a lot of letters and words. Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal. That's why they say AME, because it's a lot easier in Charleston, South Carolina. Obviously a very serious uh, topic. It's a four-year anniversary coming up for that this Monday, and there's a movie out about it, which the um, Golden State Warriors' Steph Curry is the executive producer of that. And we'll chat more about that and talk with Rose and hear her story in, in a couple of moments. But we wanted to bring in someone who was following the NBA Finals and was covering it, Marcus Hayes of the Philly.com. Hey, Marcus, how you doing, man? 
Good. How are you, Tim? I'm good. Thanks for taking a couple minutes out of your afternoon. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw your piece on uh, on how the fact that the the uh, Sixers did not actually make the finals may, in the end, wind up doing greater good than if they had managed to beat Toronto and and advance. So, we'll, we'll share a little bit about your about your thought process on that. Well, I have very little faith that Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, the center and the point guard, would actively address the flaws in their game if they won a championship this season. Um, Joel Embiid is typically in terrible shape. He's not very professional. He doesn't eat right. He doesn't get his rest, and he doesn't work out. Ben Simmons is a, <laughs> a little bit more professional, but, but he's reluctant to work on the, the, the flaws in his game skill-wise. Yeah. So I believe that this will spur them to develop their games more more uh, fully. It's never bad to win a championship, but one of the you know one of the unintended consequences, one of the unintended beneficial consequences of them not winning this year, which they could have done had they been able to beat Toronto, is that I believe both of the principal players will, will be better in the long run. I, I mean, it's the way that they they reacted to losses in Game 4 and Game 5 when Joel Embiid's poor overall health helped hinder him when he got sick. <clears throat> Excuse me, when right. he got uh, sick, he, could, he couldn't fight through it like a, you know, a normal NBA player generally can. Their, their reaction to that was uh, cataclysmic. It was seismic. Um, I, I haven't seen two players react that way that quickly and understand how much they were hurting their franchise, hurting their team, hurting their teammates because they hadn't addressed the things they'd been told, they'd been instructed, they'd been ordered to address. I believe those things will be addressed now. And considering Golden State Warriors will have two players that might have been on their team uh, this coming season not on their team because of injury, right. and Clay Thompson, who hurt his knee last night, and Kevin Durant, who blew out his Achilles the, the game before, you know, the, the entire league is up for grabs. It really is. Yeah. So they sh- could enter the season next year as the team to beat, having never, you know, ha- having not reached the Eastern Conference Finals in 20 years. How or, ironic. Or 18 years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Marcus Hayes is our guest. Philly.com is where you can find him. Uh, yeah, and to your point, the Sixers really, their goal of, while winning a championship, you know, who, who would throw that away? The idea really in this whole rebuild and this process is it's supposed to be more like what the Warriors are, you know, hopefully dominant and, and in the mix for many years, not one and done or you won early and now you're fat and lazy and you don't maybe, I mean, not that they would necessarily be that, but you know what I mean? Like they, they would have maybe accomplished too much too soon. And perhaps like you said, big picture, it's going to help them over the next five to 10 years, hopefully. And that's always the conversation, right? Would you rather have like Toronto is going to have this issue as far as we know, and it certainly seems that way. Toronto's going to have the issue. Would you rather be great one year and, or would you rather be good for 10? You yeah, know, right. So, Right, they're they're gonna they're, they'll have been great this one season, but I doubt that Kawhi Leonard is going to stay there. They have other roster issues, and they've traded Demar Derozan. So, yeah, it, it, it I would always rather have ten chances to win than have one chance and have that be surrounded by four four years of uh, irrelevance. Yeah, so, but that's you know, that's just me. Yeah, well, and one of the questions, the other couple questions I had for you, one was about what you thought Kawhi Leonard might do, having won the championship in the Finals MVP, and knowing him a bit because you've covered the you know covered that series and have covered the NBA for a long time. What if you had to jump inside his mind? Do you think he's he's not sure, or do you think he actually knows maybe what he's going to be doing? 
You know, I've never seen a guy as clearly resentful of valid criticism as Kawhi Leonard is. Hmm. Um, he wasn't a very polished player coming out of uh, San Diego State, so he wasn't drafted very high. He was drafted 15th by the Pacers and traded for George Hill to the Spurs, where they considered him a project player. And he was the MVP of the finals, his, I think his second season. And now he's the MVP of the finals again. In between, he's sort of been stewing the entire time because other players have been recognized as better players than him, mainly because they're better players than him. <laughs> um, right. You know, Kevin Durant and, you know, Russell Westbrook and uh, LeBron James, and th- those guys are better than he, I- he was. Now, he is the best player in the NBA, and I believe he'll go to Los Angeles, probably the Clippers, because nobody wants to play with LeBron. Nobody wants to be part of that Lakers, you know, freak show. Yeah. But, you know, and he'll take a, a monetary hit early and make it, make it up later in the, later in his career. Yeah. But um, he's an angry guy. He's just an angry dude. Like, what well, last year when he he decided the team doctors didn't know what was best for him and refused to play even though he was cleared and 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 collected his paycheck. When that happened, and he was criticized for not playing, not hurt, but not, you know, I, I right. guess in his in his mind, at a, at the hundred percent level he wanted to play at, and you know, for a team that he didn't believe could win, when those criticisms were levied, I mean, he he'll never forget that. He'll always be angry. He'll always be, I told you so, and I was right. Yeah. And that's a bad way to go. That's a bad way to go through life. So yeah. to answer your question, I th- I think he goes to L.A. And he does it not out of spite necessarily, but he does it because he didn't choose to be in Toronto. He was traded to Toronto, right? And he'll make choices the rest of his life. Marcus Hayes, his Philly. choices. Yeah, right. Mark and Marcus Hayes, uh, Philly dot com. Our guest. The, the last question for you. You mentioned already the uh, Clay Thompson and uh, Kevin Durant of the Warriors and their injuries and how that may factor into what happens after the game last night. Steph Curry said, "Don't count us out yet." Yeah, five cha- five straight finals, three championships. But you know, it's not easy to get back. But don't don't say we're done. So, but what do you think, Clay? And what do you think, Kevin Durant wind up doing? And 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 the teams. Well, Kevin, yeah, go ahead. Well, well, Kevin Durant has a team uh, has a player option, so he'll opt in and make thirty one to thirty two million dollars or whatever to not play. Um, it'll be interesting to see what what the Clay Thompson saga is. I mean, I I don't know that the diagnosis of his knee has been. You know, publicized yet, but he, you know, he left on crutches, so he's probably going to need surgery, which will probably cost him at least part of next season. If I were him, I wouldn't come back. If I were him, I would wait and be the, the key free agent, you know, the top free agent in uh, 2020. Right. Um, so that's what I think, you know, is happening and could happen. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, it'll be just kind of an interesting off season. I, I, I Somebody's got to play for the Golden State Warriors, right? I mean, Steph Curry's going to be there. Draymond Draymond Green's going to be there. Yeah, you know, somebody's got to play for them. They're a good team. The West is not nearly as dominant as it was with Clay Thompson and/or Kevin Durant on that team. Right. Kevin Durant made them invincible. Clay, Clay Thompson made them a favorite, but adding Kevin Durant made them invincible. Yeah, but you know, the West is a mess. The East is worse. <laughs> we have no idea what any we, we the, the the shift of power with so many top-level top, top level free agents being able to opt out and become free agents this year, the, shift, the shifting of power will be fascinating to see. It'll be fascinating to see who really wants who. 
Yeah. You know, well, where's they, Kyrie Irving going to play? Well, you know? right. And she, to your point, do you think, do you think that there, you, you, yes, Kevin Durant could opt in and just sit the season and make $32 million, whatever it is, doing nothing. But do you think that if he got, if there's a team willing to risk, you know, signing him to a big deal, even though they know he's injured, that that could be sweet enough for him to leave? Or do you, you know, being the competitor? Well, he'd have to opt out. He'd have to opt out first. Right. Right. Okay. So it's risky for him to not, not know what he would get after opting out. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And you'd be paying a guy, you know, $35 million for nothing. Right. I yeah. mean, nobody's worth that. Not even you, Tim. Really? Oh, man. Joe's got it. 34, my, maybe. My, thank you. My producer, Joe, is, is nodding in agreement. Joe, I thought we were friends. Well, that's great. That, <laughs> thank you for uh, for jumping in to chat a little bit. I, I read your article. I thought it was a good article. Philly.com is where folks can find you. Marcus Hayes been in the market many years. And uh, how's your family doing? You guys doing all right? The girls and everything? Everybody's, everybody's great. How about you? Yeah, overall good. We're hoping to get out and enjoy some sunshine this weekend. And Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, by the way. I'm, Happy Father's Day. I'm guessing you'll get doted on a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the doting doesn't go very far these days. <laughs> Well, you got to work the angle a little bit. Like, oh, someone scratched my back. Someone, you know, make. Do you, do you... Uh, I'd rather I'd rather stay with the radar. Okay, fair enough. All right, man. Well, thanks again for chatting, and and have a great week. And we'll see you at the ballpark sometime soon. All right, Jimmy. All right, Marcus Hayes, Philly dot com is where you can find him, and including his new uh, latest article uh, on the on the Sixers and the perhaps silver lining on the fact that the Sixers uh, did not wind up getting to the final round and. Uh, again, you can look at that up at philly.com. Uh, from the sports side of things, Phillies are at the Braves tonight at 720. Atlanta's won seven games in a row. Phillies have won five out of the last ten. So during that last stretch, the Braves have passed the Phillies. It's still close. Phillies are in second place by a game and a half. A lot of season left, but this is a big matchup. Hopefully the Phillies can do a nice job and uh, and pull back into first or, or a little closer. And uh, I mentioned the NBA Finals. Of course, Toronto winning the, the uh, championship last night, four games to two. On the losing end, Golden State's Steph Curry uh, did mention after the game, don't count us out. And uh, Steph Curry actually has a tie-in to our next guest, uh, Rose Simmons. And it was Rose's uh, father among nine who passed away four years ago this week in the Emanuel AME Church um, in in Charleston, South Carolina, shootings with Dylan Roof, the shooter, uh, white supremacist. Uh, Very serious, obviously. And... uh, She's going to share a bit of her story. We're going to take a quick break and come back with Rose. And um, you can find out more about that, emmanuelmovie.com, by the way. It's just in theaters for two days, this coming Monday and Wednesday the 19th, to line up on purpose with the anniversary of the shooting, as well as the forgiveness part, a huge part that happened in court two days later. So that's coming up this coming week. Uh, Steph Curry, the executive producer of this film, as well as Viola Davis, uh, award-winning uh, actress as well. And many others have been have been buying out theaters even. Uh, folks like Stevie Wonder and Justin Timberlake are, are buying theaters because they believe this movie needs to be seen. So we'll chat with Rose in just a couple moments. We also have some giveaways to do and our Now That's Punny segment to shoehorn in as well. It's all happening on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. Truly, you have a dizzying intellect. Wait till I get going! Where was I? The Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL. To all my people in the struggle, you think 
God's forgotten about you. Here's some pain medicine. Let's go. WFIL.com. Love that song called Looking for You from Kirk Franklin. 443 on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. We are joined now by Rose Simmons this coming Monday the 17th as well as Wednesday the 19th. Emmanuel, the movie in theaters across the country. A documentary revolving around the story of the 2015 church shooting at Emmanuel African American uh, Methodist, I should say, Episcopal Church. In Charleston, South Carolina, where nine African-Americans perished at the hands of 21-year-old Dylan Roof, a white supremacist, and one of the nine who perished that day was the father of our next guest, Rose Simmons, taking time to check in. Hello, Rose. How are you? Hi, Tim. Hey, how are you? I'm great today. Amen. Good to hear your voice. Thanks for taking a few minutes out. Oh, oh, sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, so... the uh, the movie Emmanuel coming out so soon, just uh, this coming Monday and uh, Wednesday the 19th, across the country. And, um, you know, the documentary, of course, revolving around the story of the of the church shooting at Emmanuel AME in Charleston. And, uh, of course, one of the nine who perished that day was your dad. And first off, I just want to say on behalf of our station and audience, our condolences to you and your family. We're very sorry for your loss. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. How are you doing four years later? Before we even talk about the movie, just how are you? Well, you know, remembering my father, um, missing him, uh, and and even more so missing, you know, our time that we would have had together in the future, I think. Uh, Just looking forward to those days and, you know, and they will come to pass. But I will see him again in heaven. So that that keeps me motivated. Mm. Amen. What was your dad like? Wow, he was he was a strong, very strong presence and personality. He was uh, very determined. He always uh, accomplished his goals. He was uh, just a person that would always be at the front of whatever he was involved in. Mm-hmm. That that's who he was. That's neat. That's neat. Rose Simmons is our guest. Uh, the movie is called Emmanuel. It's a documentary coming out this Monday, the 17th, also Wednesday in theaters, the 19th, just two nights only. And folks can find out more about it at emmanuelthemovie.com. It's 1M and 1N, just so folks know. Now, we've had two key members associated with the film uh, on the program already, Brian Ivey, the director, and Pastor Demas Salaberios, one of the producers. And each of them shared kind of how they had found out about things, that Brian was on his honeymoon of all places, and Pastor Demas at his, at his house. Both of the times their wives were crying, and they like, what happened? And they found out. But they both had a different response. Brian said he stayed away on purpose out of respect for everything, and it was a whole year before he even approached the topic and of possibly being involved with yeah. doing it. Pastor Demas went right away, winds up becoming very key in helping you know, in the aftermath and, and being challenged by the people there. I understand your path to learning about things was, was quite a bit different. Yes, it was. And um, I, I think what I did, um, you know, when I, when I got the news about my father, I, my thoughts um, were, as, as I said earlier, you know, just thoughts on missing him the rest of my life. 
But when I processed through that, my thoughts went to him entering into this eternal home. And um, it, it, it took away the sting of death for me uh, in that moment. And I, I think I processed very quickly to his entrance into glory, which is what has been able to help me sustain my peace throughout. Yeah. Have, have you been able, am I correct in thinking that you've seen the film? Or was there any special showing for the families or to get your input along the way at all? Or, or what has it been your, your connection with the film along the way? Well, yes, of course. I've I've seen the film dozens of times. I've been personally traveling uh, across the country, hosting screenings myself. Wow! And um, our director Brian Ivy, you know, he—that was the first thing that he did. He uh, wanted the families to see the film first, you know, so he would get our reaction. And, and you know, it's a it's a great project. It's a beautiful, beautiful project that he's put together. It's very well done. And I think that uh, the world will, uh, for not. Oh, I think you dropped out there. There you go. Sorry, there was a little drop in your phone. Yeah, go ahead. Say that again. You think the world? Yes. I think the world, and I said, for lack of a better word, uh, enjoy this moment. And and we'll be able to endure it uh, because of, you know, the perfection that Brian has put into making this film. Brian mentioned that when he um, started to even investigate the possibility or, or of being involved with putting something together, um, that he wanted to make sure the very first encounters with folks were definitely off mic, off camera, preferably over breaking bread together. Uh, did w- what was your first time you met yes, Brian? And Sticky Fingers. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yes, we were at Sticky Fingers in Charleston. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. What what do they serve? What's their main yes. thing? Wow, barbecue. It was very good. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was very informal. And um, when Brian spoke with us, he came across, you know, you could see the power of the Holy Spirit working within him. You could see uh, his interest and his goals. And, and his very words were uh, he wanted to tell our story. He didn't want any money. Will we allow him to do that? So um, very humbly, he asked for our permission. Uh, to be able to, you know, uh, start this project. Hmm. Wow. Chatting with Rose Simmons, uh, the movie is called Emmanuel coming out this Monday. I'm not sure if it's, whenever I say movie or documentary or film, I'm not sure if one of those words is most appropriate. I know <laughs> it is a documentary. Movie sounds too like entertainment, which it's not, although it, I mean, it is in a different way. It's, it's really educational in a great way because it's, I mean, it's so many things. Is there a best word I should use? <laughs> Can they, do you hear well, them all interchangeable? I, I like- Film documentary. That's okay. what I say. I can do that. Yes. Film documentary, yes. yes. Okay. And, of course, for folks just tuning in, it's Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. This film documentary revolves around the story of the 2015 church shooting at Emanuel AME in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, nine African-Americans perished. Rose, our guest, her father was one of those nine. Has the connection between you and the other family, I'm, I'm guessing it can only have grown over the years, or... Or what? How have you tried to, you know, you lean on your faith in the Lord? Uh, how have you processed these last four years? And uh, I'm guessing the film is a huge way of also being able to say we want to see good come from this. Well, of course, uh, and and those I think were three points that you brought up. Um, of course, the film gives me that opportunity 
to meet the world. And also, what I find is, is that um, good for me, and I think even so much better for um, the viewers, is that it gives the people the opportunity to grieve and, and to reach out and touch a person directly affected by uh, the shooting, which, you know, myself and the other family members, because I found that uh, not only did this break the hearts of the families, but it did break the hearts of the entire world. And I, I, I just feel their grief and their sorrow, and also I feel their comfort, and I'm able to comfort them as well. Mm. And, you, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask well, if you've been well, so. Yeah, you go ahead. And then I have a I have a follow up. Okay, and then to, of course, answer the the second half of that question would be yes. I, I have grown uh, considerably close to uh, the other uh, nine families. We often get together when when there's something that um, we all must attend. But the the point about the family is the nine were a family. They were the family. And we are, in a sense, the extended family. Mm. So it, it's, been, um, it's been an adventure. Have you been surprised, just kind of along the lines you mentioned, doing some screenings, I guess, to, to, to certain audiences as you've traveled around? The official, of course, this coming Monday, the 17th, and Wednesday, the 19th, open to the public and encouraged, certainly, com <clears throat> for details on that. But have you been surprised at what you've seen at all, or, or what has the response been of those who've seen the movie? Honestly, um, the response has been uh, considerably consistent. I, I've seen um, people pour out of this humane part of them um, that, you know, the place where only God lives and where he, you know, has control and, and power. And, and they, they've given that freely to me. And, and it's been consistent. Good. Rose Simmons been our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. I know you're making a lot of phone calls today and jumping on different radio shows, so we appreciate taking uh, time with us today. It was very nice talking with you. you. You too. Rose Simmons, our guest. We have a short break to take in our pun segments. Or now that's punny segment. We also have giveaway to do. It's all coming up in our waning moments of our swell program today. Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM 560, WFIL, and WFIL.com. 454, Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. We've had a gorgeous afternoon with lots of sunshine. Supposed to have more of that this weekend. At least for tomorrow. On Sunday, we may get kind of cloudy, but uh, not bad in the 80s for the weekend. A nice uh, opportunity to get out, hopefully, and take a stroll, a little picnic, a little grilling outside, perhaps a graduation party. A lot of folks in our circle are having graduation parties lately, and they seem to be one right after the other. So it's been a busy month already for our family in that regard. And uh, in any case, we have a couple other things I wanted to tell you about um, this coming Sunday for Father's Day at the Ocean City Tabernacle in Jersey. Uh, Steve Douglas, the president of Campus Crusade for Christ International, is going to be there. He's only the second president ever. There was Bill Bright, who founded the ministry many, many years ago. And then about 17, 18 years ago, he retired and Steve Douglas took over. Uh, Steve Douglas himself, very impressive resume. He graduated from MIT and Harvard Business School. And he uh, helps lead a ministry that is on over 7,000 campuses around the country 
And they also have a lot of other ministries they do, including family life marriage conferences. There was one in the area last November, I think. WFL was at that. And uh, anyhow, he'll be sharing at 8.30 and 10.30 this coming Sunday morning. So if you want to head on down and make a day of it, or if you are already going to be down, I know some folks go down to the beach for the weekend or for a week at a time, 550 Wesley Avenue in Ocean City, New Jersey. You can grab more info on that, as well as their lineup of summer guests. They have some pretty cool guests. The athletes like Mike Singletary and Daryl Strawberry, musicians and artists like uh, Laura Story, Wayne Watson, and Point of Grace going to be there over the course of the summer, a number of other great speakers, too. OCTabernacle.org for info on that. In the meantime, that music can mean just one thing. Just one. It means Joe gets to crack out his sound effects for a few minutes and cap off the week like a big fat cherry on a Sunday. In conjunction with our puns, our now that punny segment. You know, Joe, we do this fine segment every Friday right about this time for one reason and one reason only. Well, seven days without a pun makes one week. Like week. Like. <laughs> so it's important we give the listeners a boost, right? Get the head into the weekend. So here we go. First piece of advice if you go shopping this weekend, do not buy anything with Velcro because it is a total ripoff. <laughs> there are those dogs again. My wife told me yesterday that I am very immature, which I resented. And I told her, get out of my fort. Don't talk to me, though. <clears throat> uh, on the pet thing, I have a pet snail I haven't told you about, Joe. It's actually a racing snail. I thought if I took off his shell, it would help him go faster. But if anything, it actually made him more sluggish. <laughs> you get it? Like a slug, right? Mm. Back on the wife conversation, I t- actually told her, you know, because how do I look and all that kind of thing. Uh, which fine is not an answer. I told her, I thought, I was honest. I said, I think you drew your eyebrows a little too high. She looked surprised. Thank you. I love sports, uh, but I've never participated in archery. Softball, yes. Baseball, soccer, but never archery. However, I have heard that the contests are usually won by an arrow margin. Thank you. Did you hear about the poor guy who fell into an upholstery machine, Joe? You'll be glad to know he has fully recovered. <laughs> Thank you. 800-560 WFIL. Give me a quick call now to win a gift card. And we're going to turn things over now to Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.